and went into the promised land, Joshua said, this is the way it's going to happen. The priests are going to go out there first carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And there's going to be this designated distance. There was enough distance that nobody was crowding them. And he said, the priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant first. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. And he said, you know, we're, we're going to follow. We're not going to try to get ahead of him. You know, going to take a different route wherever he goes. And he said, because we've never gone this way before. And I want to keep encouraging us that God's in the front. We're going to keep following. We're doing some stuff we've never done before. We're going some places probably that we didn't anticipate and don't even know how to get there. But if the ark will stay in front, if we'll stay behind the ark and don't get ahead of God... I don't want to get ahead of him with timing or with my actions or anything. If we just stay in behind the ark and follow him, we're going to make it all right because along the way there's some Jericho walls that are going to fall down and we are going to conquer AI. And you know, we, we're going to take the land. Amen. In Jesus' name. Well, it's good to be in this house today and I appreciate all of you that are here. And, uh, I do want to take us to something in the word of the Lord that I later during the week, the first of the week I mentioned, I, I really thought today I was going to be just preaching that. Let's don't get ahead of God. But God started uh, stirring me early back early in the week. And I'm going to start with a verse in Psalm chapter 145, verse three. It's a verse that we might not know that reference, but we know the verse. And we quote it to ourselves a lot of time. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to preach a little while today. Our God is an awesome God. I wonder if I could hear from out there. Would somebody believe it enough to say, our God is an awesome God? I, I wonder if somebody would say it like it's the most important knowledge that you have in this world. Our God is an awesome God. Amen. See, uh, God, the, God don't know any challengers. You know, through, through time, some people have tried to picture God and His work as this great battle. Um, seemed like some years ago, somebody was telling about a film that was made. I, I didn't see it. I don't even remember what it was, but it was, um, it was the you know the good spirit world fighting against the bad spirit world, and it was just it, it was just tug, uh, tug and pull and go and and bite your lip and hope everything is right. That's that's not God's battlefield. Because if God had a battlefield, He wouldn't even have to fight. He would just speak the word of, and speak victory. He he indicates to us he gives us the illustration uh, that he fights he's and the word of the lord says that his arm is bared 
It's like he's pulled his sleeve up and he's got his sword in his hand. See, God don't need a sword, but for our visual, he put that in his word that we see him out there in the front. He's leading the charge. He's got the sword in his hand. That's why when Joshua saw somebody he didn't recognize, he went to him and said, look, are you for us? Are you against us? And this one that was that was standing before him said, I'm the captain. Joshua fell on his knees and, and he said, like, lead on, captain. Amen. So there are times, though, that people would challenge the greatness of God and uh, God would demonstrate his greatness against them. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 said, For the Lord your God is a God of gods, the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. He just saying, you know, sometimes I read something one time about a man that was just uh, he was claiming to be an atheist, and he was shaking his fist at the sky. And he said, you know, God, if you're up there, won't you strike me dead? And uh, he, he felt a little smug that God didn't strike him dead. God didn't think he was important enough to strike him dead. Besides that, God loved him too much. He was really wishing the atheist would get his eyes open and understand that there is a God that loves us and cares. He, his goal is not to kill atheists. His goal is to reveal his greatness to them so that they become worshipers. And so, but you see, King Benadad, king of Syria, was an example. He challenged the greatness of God. The story is in 1 Kings 20, verse 26. It says, and it came to pass at the return of the year that Benadad numbered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. And there came a man of God and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thy hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched one over against the other seven days. And so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek into the city. And there a wall fell on 27,000 of them that were left. And Benadad fled and came to the city into an inner chamber. God just saying, look, don't, don't challenge me. Don't, you know, don't, don't do it. Don't take the chance. Have you ever, have you ever seen somebody that getting pushed a little bit and they said, hey, don't, I'm warning you. Don't you do it. <laughs> don't step over that line. <laughs> don't spit on my shoe. I'm warning you. I'll cut you. <laughs> you, you, you. Sometime, sometime God just says, look, he says, look, I'm a jealous God. He's jealous for our worship. He's jealous. He, you see, sometimes folk worship the devil without thinking they're worshiping. They worship him because they magnify him. They glorify him. They, they talk about how strong the devil is and how big he is and how bad and how many bad things he can do. And every time they do that, they just, they make him bigger than he's supposed to be. And the Lord's jealous. He, he don't want you making the devil big. He said, I, I saw Satan cast out of heaven like light. He said, in fact, I did it with my finger. And so there are challenges, and, and God will say, okay, you're going to challenge me. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take the risk. 
I wonder if anybody say our God is an awesome God. You know, Benadad tried that. Sennacherib tried that. He's the king of Assyria. Here's what the Bible said about him, 2 Kings 18, verse 28. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. And this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, make an agreement with me and come out with me. And, and he said, you know, I'll take your place and you can eat from your own vines. And I mean, everything be fine as long as you surrender to me. And then he said, hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his hand, his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? And where are the gods of uh, Sepharvim and Hena and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. He said, you saw and all these other gods. Nobody could beat me. Why do you think your God can beat me? But the prophet Isaiah sent word to the king of Israel, and here's what he said. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Next verse says, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand, 185,000 people died at the hand of the Lord without even being on the battlefield. Now, this is, this is the part that's always sort of puzzled me. 185,000 died, and when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpse. Now, Somehow that might could be worse. Uh, you know what it means. It means when the Israelites rose up in the morning, all they saw was 185,000 dead corpses. But the sentence sounds like the dead rose and looked around and they said, well, we're dead. You got to read the Bible. You know, you got to rightly divide the word. You got to read it with understanding. Just, just helping y'all understand the story here. So 185,000 died by the hand of the angel of the Lord. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adrimelech and uh, uh, Sherezer, his sons, smote him with the sword. So here's a guy that said, I've taken on the gods of every, every nation. And I've even beat their gods. I, they didn't defend their cities. I, I want, and, and your, your God can't do any better. And he doesn't lift a sword against Israel. He loses his whole army practically and goes home and gets killed by his sons while he's in the house of his God. So God will take a challenge. I wonder if anybody say, our God is an awesome God. 
<laughs> Amen. Hey, I got it. It's an awesome. We don't just talk about it. It's, it's just not fodder for our mouths to say, our God is an awesome God. We, if we have any fault at all, our fault is that we have never seen him as big as he really is. We've never understood how, how majestic and how mighty and how all powerful and all concerned. We, we've never yet seen him in his entirety. I heard somebody years ago say, we're like a little ant crawling up on somebody's shoe and we say, wow, look how big this person is. Oh, we can't see that person. All we're looking at is a shoe. If we could look and see the rest of him. See, 1 Chronicles 16, 23 said, Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. And he enters in something else. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So he touched on something else. The psalmist uh, that I was just reading from uh, mentions this repeatedly. Psalm 8 verses 3 and 4 said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? He said, I'm just, and, and I'm going to tell you, here's, here's a man that from the shepherd, being a shepherd to sitting on the throne and being a king, he don't have any telescopes. He's never made a, a space probe with a rocket with cameras. He's never circled Mars. You know, he, he's never done any of this. He just, he just sat on the ground and looked up into a star filled night when, when the sky looked like it was filled with jewels. And he says, when I consider all this, I say, what is man that he's mindful of? Why, if he's got that much, much to take care of why does he even visit us psalm 95 verse 3 for the lord is a great god and a great king above all gods in his hand are the deep places of the earth the strength of the hills is his also the sea is his and he made it in his hands formed the dry land god himself spoke to job and said this in chapter 38 verse 4 where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth Declare it if you've got understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone therefore thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? He said, you know, y'all down there fussing over something. You're seeing runny sores and... You're smelling ashes and sackcloth and dogs are coming to lick your sores and your comforters aren't comforting you. They're just, they're, just uh, they're, they're accusing you. And he said, but where were you? Where were you when, when I made all of this? And all, all I had to do was, was speak a word and, and galaxies were formed. You see, every, everything, I'd like to know this. I mean, there's a lot of folk would like to know a lot of stuff. We'd like to know the future, wouldn't we? Other than what the Lord's revealed in his prophecy, that's about all we know. Folk can speculate. I heard somebody the other day talking about, the, you know, the glaciers uh, all melting and, and um, 
drowning some cities. Eh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. The Lord's probably not going to wait long enough for all that to happen anyhow. But uh, we'd like to know the future. But we would, we would like to know more about this universe we live in. Everything I read, every scientist, every space probe, every new telescope that's built, every, every photo from space, the astronomers are saying, oh, it's so much bigger than what we thought. They, they've never yet felt like they've gotten to the end of it all. You see, even this, um, this little galaxy, I say this little galaxy that we live in, the Milky Way galaxy, they say there's a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And they say there are 200 billion galaxies. You see, and that the stars, that's not even counting planets and moon. Our one star that's, that's our sun has eight planets and over 200 moons. Amazing, isn't it? I, I've mentioned this before because I'm so staggered by, you know, I'm, I, I try to understand this. Uh, I, I heard, you know, I heard some folk, uh, discussing it and, um, the visual, is probably better than the numbers they gave me because when they give you a number to the hundreds of powers, we can't figure that out. When they talk about a number with 24 zeros behind it, something like a, like septillion. We don't talk about septillions. But uh, they were saying that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on earth. And that meant every peanut patch in Georgia and every strawberry field in California and, and every beach, and not just the beach, all the sand on the sea floors across the entire globe and every desert, every grain of sand. If you could count every grain of sand, there are more stars out there in the sky than there are grains of sand. Would somebody say, our God's an awesome God? And the Bible says that God knows these stars by name. He knows the name of every star. You see, there's one, there's one, the largest star we know of, uh, they say it's 1700 times bigger than our sun across its diameter. Well, that's, that's a lot of stuff. And to think he made this from nothing. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't send his trucks to a landfill somewhere and get a bunch of stuff to start with. There was nothing. He spoke it. He didn't hang it on anything. He didn't have to prop it up on anything. He made every bit of it and hung it out in space. That's, that's God. That's God. The, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, light travels 186,000 miles per second. I don't know that by racing along beside it with my stopwatch. I, I didn't do it that way. But uh, that's a long way to go in one second. And that'd be a whole, that'd be 60 times more than that to go in a minute or an hour or a day or a year. But the closest they can guess right now is our universe is 93 billion light years across. 
I know y'all probably get tired of this, but I, I like telling it just because it's because it, it makes it seem bigger. I, you know, and I've shared this various times. I wouldn't ever understand what a billion is if it hadn't been for Brother Duncan sharing it with me years ago. He said, Brother Smith, you know, you know, if you had hundred dollar bills, you have a stack about like that to have a thousand dollars. You have to have a stack about a foot high to have a million dollars. But if you wanted a billion dollars with stacks of hundred dollar bills, you'd have to have a stack tall as the Empire State Building, hundred and two floors high, stacks of hundred dollar bills just to have one billion dollars. And to think of light that travels 186,000 miles per second, and yet it would take 96 billion years, 93 billion years to streak across the universe. My God is an awesome God. Amen. And then, and, and then not all of that, you know, we, um, we talk about, we talk about that and, and we get so staggered that we don't even understand what we're talking about. But he, he made every life form. I, I was thinking, I was thinking uh, last night, you know, we're the life form that God created is marvelous. Can you imagine thinking up the shapes and the colors and the muscular structure uh, and the the you know, the the way they operate of of as many animals as there are in the world? Can you you know, can you imagine you know, he made. Animals with long enough necks that they can feed from the trees. And somebody said, the worst thing, uh, the worst gift would would uh, either be a turtleneck sweater for a giraffe or a giraffe neck sweater for a turtle. Either one of those would be bad. See, God had purpose in everything he did. But he made all, but last night I was thinking, you know, all, we can go to those zoos and, you know, if you're, if you ever get a chance to travel somewhere and see stuff out in the wild, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but we can look at all that, but we've got a, we've got a bigger zoo than that in our backyard. Because there are six to ten million different species of insects. And they're painted as beautiful as a masterpiece. Colors, ability. Do you realize scientists say the bumblebee can't fly because its body is too big for its wings? And yet a bumblebee that can't fly can just hover there over something. And if it's a, if it's a carpenter bee, it'll start digging a hole in the side of your house. How fast does a hummingbird's wings beat? You know, why is it that a woodpecker can bang away at a tree and not get brain damage. You know, for me, you know, when the house caught on fire and I tried to beat it out with my face, I ended up looking like this. You know, but God, God, God created all of His stuff. He, he, His, His imagine. Can you imagine coming up with that much design and and that much difference in in how they? Can operate. Anybody say our God's an awesome God. <laughs> and then beside all that he made us. He made us. 
we, we, you know, it's just not that we're beautiful and got good colored wings and all that stuff and can run fast or fly, whatever. He made us body, soul, and spirit. He made us with minds that can comprehend and figure things out. He, he made us and breathed into us His own breath so that God Himself said, I can live inside this creation. I can, I can make that animal run real fast and I can make that bird fly real fast over there but I can live inside this creation in fact I'm going to live inside I'm going to, I'm going to make myself a house just like that you know sometimes we, we get it a little bit wrong some people that don't quite understand they say we know God made a, a body like ours that's not true he made our body like his because he knew before time began he knows the end from the beginning he speaks of things that be not as though they are and adam was made in the likeness of him who was to come god knew it all the bible said he was slain from the foundation of the world there wasn't a cross back there before before there was an earth but in the heart and the mind and the knowledge of god he had already bled out on calvary I wonder if somebody say, our God's an awesome God. Amen, amen, amen. He's, he's awesome in His ability. He, his ability created the universe. His ability created the animal kingdom. His ability created us with body, soul, and spirit. And the wonder of God is that with all His ability and all the things that He's created, that He's got to maintain all of that. So he's the, he's the one that makes sure the planets keep circling. He's the one that makes sure they stay in the gravitational field that he planned for them. He, he's the one that makes us have day and night. It's, you know, in Genesis where it said he gave two great lights, it was really saying he appointed two great lights. And you, because you're going to have the day and the night and, and um, the wonder, the wonder of it all is that with all the things that he has done and that he's responsible for, the wonder is that he still pays attention to the individual detail. The Bible said he knows every time a sparrow falls. He counts the number of hairs on our head. Some of us try to make it easy for him. That, those details it and and when he revealed himself in the body of flesh when the mighty god made a body that he walked around in this earth in he was interested the bible said he saw the multitudes and he's moved with compassion but he would travel through samaria just to meet one woman at a well he would get in a boat and go across and just step off on the bank in Gadara, not go into town, but just stop there because he wanted to deliver one man from demon spirits. He would travel up to, to the coast of Tyre and, and Sidon because there's going to be a woman of a different land, a different uh, nationality that's going to come and say, I got a daughter that's vexed with the devil and he's going to, he's going to sort of test her a little bit. I didn't come for you. It's a shame to feed the food to somebody, just dogs. But he, he gave her the opportunity to get into this Bible. 
because her response was true, Lord. The dogs uh, uh, eat the crumbs, but they get to eat the crumbs that are under the table. And he's he's uh, amazed. He marvel. He he's pleased with her faith. And he says, "Your daughter's okay. Go home." And that demon can't control that daughter now because because I'm you know I'm the God of gods. Nobody's gonna challenge me. I'm gonna say that he's. He made a trip across Bethesda's porch one day because there's a man that's been sitting there too long. And, uh, sir, it's time for you to roll up that rotting cot of yours, that blanket, and go home. And he makes one last trip through Jericho because he's going to stop under a tree and look up and see Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, you know, he's, he's already discussing this. Uh, it's, you know, the son of man's going to die. But Zacchaeus, before that happens, come down out of the tree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some private time. I'm going home with you. I'm going to spend some one-on-one time just with you, my man. While the multitudes are lining the highway, to me, that makes my God an awesome God. Makes my God an awesome God. I'm just going to say that there's no difference in him in his power. There's no, you know, some machinery, if you plug it in, there's a power drain. And some things, all it takes is just a little battery and, and it'll keep running for months. But there's no difference in the power for him to create a universe or for him to just heal somebody's headache. He's, uh, he'll make a trip through a little village just so he can stop and find a man that was born blind and he's going to make some mud with his spit and put it in his eye so the man can not only be healed and see, but so he can be a testimony. And it took no more of his power to mix the mud and put it in an eye than it took for him to create this earth and carve out oceans and and stack up mountains and and dig out a grand canyon and it, it it didn't take any more power for him to do that than to put some mud in a man's eye i'm just going to say my god is an awesome god and he's more than a song and he's more than a sermon he, he's, he's more than us just reading a Bible verse. He is an awesome God and He's in this place and He's awesome in this house today. I'm telling somebody, the God that you came to worship when you were praising God and you were feeling the Holy Ghost, that God is awesome and He's awesome enough to do whatever the need is in your life. I just believe that in this house, you know, I don't have to come lay my hand on you. You've been feeling God's hand on you ever since you came into this building. I want you to stand with me right now. God, I believe God would like to work a miracle for somebody. I don't know what your individual needs may be, but God cares about the individual. You may still be at Bethesda's pool, or you may be standing beside a well, or you may be the little widow woman bringing the dead son down the street to the cemetery. You may be the one that says, well, mister, I'd be glad to make a cake for you, but 
all I got is enough to make one. My son and I was going to eat it and die. You know, it may be that you're worried right now about your job. Sister Betty, I kept feeling this all morning. I just tell you, you've been faithful with your finances. God's going to take care of your job. I want us to pray. I want you to pray as though you're the only one that God has to take care of today. I want you to pray that like he doesn't have any other jobs to do and you're the most important person in his existence. If it's if it's some sickness in your home or your family or in your body, I want you to pray against the sickness if you still sort of tiptoed around because there's some fear I want you to pray that God just give you boldness in your spirit I want us to pray for each other we're not we're not going to go around and invade your space because we don't have to that God that made that big universe the Bible said he circle he walks the circuit of the stars calls them by name heavens can't contain he's big enough to be fill the universe he's big enough to fill this place and be on that pew where you are let's pray to him right now Lord Jesus in this house I worship and I